It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Jota, Dundalk and Cavan. Order your new 221 Renault today from our extensive Renault range. Guaranteed delivery and low-rate APR finance. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. You're very welcome to Tuesday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio this Pancake Tuesday. Of course, we did it a week ago, just to be a little bit different and we enjoyed them. But don't despair, I have pancakes with me today because, you see, I did what I said I'd do. We gathered up the uh, key ingredients from Loudon Mead, Martry Mill wholemeal flour, Heidel organic eggs and feckin' Clower milk. And I whipped it all together this morning and I have some with me here. They've been tried and tasted already. We'll tell you about that in a wee while. Are you enjoying your pancakes? Are you planning on having them this evening? Let us know. What's your favourite topping? Thin, thick, fat, skinny. What way do you like them? 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Get in touch with us on the show this afternoon. We have lots of chat as well over the next couple of hours. And I bring you another song from the soundtrack of Sing, that wonderful movie, a little bit later. Now we begin today with a good friend of ours. And really, I have to say, during the last couple of years, it's been stop-start with him in terms of his uh, performances and ours as well. Because we had a date here every year. At least once he'd arrive and we'd chat and have a bit of crack. And, well, it didn't happen. But he's with me today, I'm delighted to say. I'll say about him, he can't dance. I'm not sure about the singing, but he has gone a long way. He's such a funny man. Neil Delamere, welcome back to Late Lunch. Uh, how are you, Jerry? I'm, I'm, I'm annoyed that I can't go up there and taste the, the lovely pancakes that you've prepared already. Uh, did you say he can't dance or he can dance? Because I absolutely dispute the fact I can't dance. I'm a savage dancer. And the system, it's the system that is fundamentally flawed. And if you look at the scores, Jerry, if you look at the scores, the scores don't lie. Uh, we, did, we did exceptionally well and then something happened that I don't know anything about. But I have to say, it was the best crack I've had on TV. And I, I genuinely mean that well I'll tell you the way I'm looking you is this and we were trying to tic tac it was busy aware with the rehearsals and everything else and we just didn't get a chance to Jesus it seemed like it had only started and you were gone you know what I mean after week four we did four weeks, yeah, yeah, yeah four weeks, and uh, we were we were mid um, mid table, which so we were myself and Kylie's the pro dancer, who's brilliant. <laughs> we're sitting there going right. There's five couples below us, four couples below us. We're grand, <laughs> we're grand. We've got we've got decent judges scores. We've got twenty two out of thirty for Charles the week before. We're sitting pretty, and then I I don't know what happened. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> the, the Irish public. Uh, I mean, they kept Father Ray in for eight or nine weeks the week. They, 
the year before. So they, they are alone to themselves. But I have to say uh, the crack mm. and the outfits. I don't know if you saw the outfits. Mm. The week one, week one um, was a bolero jacket with shoulder pads on the side and gold studs like if you'd rolled a matador in thumbtacks, that's what it looked like. I described it as basically Elder John going to an orange order parade. That's what it looked like. It was half half Colonel Gaddafi, half Joan Collins. If you could if you could imagine the leader of the Artane Boys band just escaped and lived the life he really wanted to live in San Francisco. That's what it looked like week one. Week two uh, was dungarees. Yeah, l- that's l- a bad l- like doing a bit of work on your yeah. gaff. And then and then uh, week three was what was week three? Oh yeah, it was Ghostbusters as well. So yeah, yeah. I think I, I think if if we had been being scored low, I think we would have been, I, I don't know about Kylie, obviously she's the pro, but I would have kind of maybe enjoyed it less if you were getting a hammering, you know. Um but we were doing okay, so I have to say but I do think my tip for the full thing is uh somebody who will be in the LMFM catchment area, shall we say? Oh I yes. It could be the lovely yeah. Nina Carberry. Yeah, yeah, she's going great guns. She really is. And she's uh, improved so much as the weeks have gone by uh, as well. Anyway, you'll never make a tally man with the political parties when you were telling me there who is below you and who is above you. You'll have to join <laughs> Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael, or maybe a crowd up the other side of the border as well. Anyway, talking about pancakes, I have them here yeah. beside me. And if you were here, you were welcome to taste one. Do you, do you like pancakes, Neil? Ah, uh, yeah, for this day, I'd have to, I'd go Nutella and bananas is what I'd go. Good on you. Oh. Yeah. Pure sweet. I pretend it's a crepe like you're on the continent and you've got some degree of class about you, Jerry. That's what I would do. Uh, but uh, uh, right now, after I talk to you, I'm going to go to a place nearby me in Dublin because the guy there, he's a waiter, told me that there's a, there's a pancake named after him, which is called the Emmy Hanging Pancake. If he's been out the night before and it has rashes and sashes as black pudding, I mean, I think I mean, I mean, think it's a fry with yes. a bit of a pancake thrown on top of it for the day that's in it. But I'm prepared to get into the spirit of things. Oh, yourself. you go there and enjoy that. That sounds really cool to me. A combination of the traditional Irish breakfast, as you say, and a little bit of eggs, milk and flour thrown together on top of it. Yum, yummy. But anyway, for you, for Neil Delamere, it has to be Nutella and banana, your number one. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. There you go. And listeners are sending me messages already what they love on their pancakes. Keep them coming. 086-1800-658, your favourite toppings. Now, Mr Neil Delamere, you must have been on cloud nine in the SSE Arena in Belfast recently. Packed, sold out, magic. Yeah. Yeah, Saturday night, biggest gig I've ever done in my long and storied career, Jerry. Um, I yeah, did, we did it there on Saturday night. I, I'll I'll be honest with you, I put it on in the middle of the the pandemic because I was just kind of thinking, God, will we ever be allowed to do this again? And I'd like something to look forward to. So it's been on sale. Like you, you, there's a long leading time to these things. There's a kind of a nine month job or a, mm. or a ten month job. So. I put it on and uh, no more than uh, Kevin Costner said, if you build it, they will come and come. They did. They all came on Saturday night. And it's just, you just have weird conversations when you're doing a gig, like in a stadium, you know, somebody or an arena, somebody rings you and goes, do you want two big screens or one big screen? <laughs> and you're going, I've never, I've never considered that before. And then you see your big culture head in the one big screen. You think, <laughs> Nobody, nobody from Offaly's head should ever be superimposed that big on anything, to be perfectly <laughs> honest with you. But, 
<laughs> you're seeing every single flaw in the head on you. Um, but it was it was great crack, and it, it's it's like it's just weird because it's in a nice hockey stadium. And it's a different mm. kind of scale than anything you'll do. But I I view that as the as the kind of the cherry on the top. You know, the 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 bread and butter stuff is out around the country in the three hundred seat theaters and the four hundred seat theaters and the yeah. Um, if 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 you ask me which. Uh, you know, if they said you can only do one for the rest of your days, oddly enough, it wouldn't necessarily be the arena. It would be the the ones where you can mess around with people in the audience and see the whites of their eyes. So I'd love to continue to do both, but the Solstice in Navan and the Crescent Art Centre in Drogheda are as important to me as, as the arena, you know? Yeah, and, and just to mention, you are on the Solstice this Friday night in Navan. There's a few tickets left if you want to get I think them. There's- Five or something oh. like that, yeah. Yeah, five tickets. <laughs> five tickets. Jesus, we can't sell them in the next few minutes. I don't know what to think. I'm giving up altogether here. So, so five tickets left for the Salsas on Friday night. This is a cracking show, folks. And then you're coming to the Crescent in Drogheda on April the 16th. That's in April. April the 16th. Yeah, Neil is here just with I've just added on the the venue there in Rathos yes. as well. So okay. uh, I I'd imagine basically Nina will get off the open top bus tour with the glitter ball trophy <laughs> uh, uh, in Rathos because that's where she's from, and she'll just will just wander into the, the the gig in the venue. She's great. She's a lovely she's a lovely woman, and she's also like jump jockeys are hard as nails. Like they're absolutely hard as nails. You know, yeah. like one of the dancers got like injured her leg, and eleven of the celebrities ran over to help her, and Nina just thought she should be destroyed. She just said that was the easy thing. Yeah, I turned around, and Nina just had a shock. I'm like, calm, calm down, relax. So, by the way, if Nina's listening, I'm joking, Nina. <laughs> so don't we know she, it. she would 100% come for me. We get the parallel, we get the parallel for sure. But here's the thing, this is the big question. This is the $64 million question that people of certain political shades would like to know. How come uh, as an awfully Republic of Ireland man, you are yeah. a star north of the border? They just love you. It's called abusing everybody equally. That's ah, that's see. the thing. You you uh, you point out the the ridiculous things that you spot on both sides, and um, and then generally speaking, you do okay. You know, and and as if I think the big mistake is people from the public going to north of the border is thinking that they can talk about certain things. Because I think you actually can talk about certain things, mm. but you do have to know your onion. So you do have to know who Jim Allister is, and you do have to know how many people are in the Starmont executive from one party, and you do have to know the kind of vagaries that, you know, like Jeffrey Donaldson going from the DUP back to the UUP, but he originally was in the UUP, and yes. Ali Foster was in the UUP, and then our and then she joined the DUP and Mary Lou MacDonald was in Fianna Fáil and then she joined Sinn Féin so you know you do have to kind of know all these things uh, and, and then you can get away with it because people go okay well he's got the papers and it's fine <laughs> well you know what on the blame game yourself and Tim and the boys you really do you know you, you hit it hard as you say on both sides and it's fantastic to watch it really is but hey tell me this why have the DUP said it's my football and I'm going home and you can play away there with yourselves well, if I knew that, Jerry, I wouldn't be talking to you. I'd be, I'd, I'd be up in Stormont in a massive big office, sitting in my jacuzzi, smoking a cigar, drinking amaretto. Is that what they do? Come in to me. Well, that's possibly what it is what to do. Well, no, they don't have cigars anymore because they have uh, various issues with ash and boilers and yeah. anything to do with that sort of schemes. Um, I, would, I would be sitting there and giving out my political opinion. I am just a clown who reads the papers and then comes up with the, the odd thing to say about it. It's a very unusual thing. I think they've... For on a serious note, I think the fact that 
they've painted themselves into a particular political corner by backing Brexit and then Brexit not not appearing to to turn out the way they thought it would. Mm. I mean, Edward, Edward Carson said it a hundred years ago that he I have been tricked by the Tories and I have I'm nothing but a pawn in the Tory party games and it seems that possibly the same mistake has been made again. History so, repeating you itself. You didn't think I was going to say that and be all no, serious? No, I'll tell you one thing. You are becoming <laughs> statesman-like. You really are at this stage. I, I have Dermot Ferreter here beside me. He's, he's in handcuffs he's, and he's got a gag around him. I'm going for all the proper historian gigs from here on in. <laughs> tell me this, um, you know, in terms of the name of the tour, Liminal, will you explain, please, Liminal? Liminal, Liminal is that transition space. Uh, so it's between, it could be a border, uh, it could be uh, the space between life and death. It could be Halloween night, you know, where we're between the living and the dead. Yes. It's, it's that it's that transitional space between two things. And um, so I call it liminal for a couple of reasons. One, I think we were in a transition space. We didn't know True. what was going on with the pandemic. We didn't know what was going on with Brexit. Now we don't know what's going on with the poor people in Ukraine. So we were all in, in this kind of situation of flux. And the other reason is, and I'll let you into a little secret here, you usually name a show for the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in August and they say to you nine months before to go, what's your show called? And you don't have any show written. So you name it something that could mean anything by the time the show becomes written. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So it's like somebody saying to you, you're going to have a child in nine months. What, what's his name? And you go, what? And they go, what's his name? You have to name the child immediately. And you go, Tom, I hope it's a boy. <laughs> so it, there's a certain element to that. Thing. Yes. But it, turn, it turns out it is actually kind of suited where yes. we are in the world. So yes, it's it a is. clever choice. Yeah, it's a brilliant choice. It, it really, really is. Hey, you were watching the football I see the weekend and young Creevy and Kelleher. Are you a Liverpool fan? I am a Liverpool fan. Ah. Your voice went up at the end of that sentence, which would suggest to me that you are not a Liverpool fan. I'm not. And you possibly might might support Manchester United. No. No, please. please. Yes, yes, I'm a gooner. I'm a gooner for my sins. I am indeed. And uh, it's it's tough being a gooner at these times. I'll tell you what, wasn't it great to watch that penalty shootout? All outfield players scoring. And, you know, I knew Kelleher had scored because, you know, he was a centre forward when he He started off. Yes, he did. And then that that Chelsea keeper didn't he deserve it. Do you remember he wouldn't come off in a final in Wembley? Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, I do remember that, yeah. And the Italian lad now is yes. uh, his manager is over in Italy, I'd say laughing his face. Laughing. Laugh. I heard a great one that what they should do is once they get beyond the keepers and the subs, just the, the managers should take <laughs> Which you think I think I could imagine that. Now I can imagine back in the day Sean Boylan would hammer one into the top corner. I I'd say you'd you'd have no fear there now. But uh, I, I watched it, I supported Queeveen and uh, it's just great to see an Irish keeper yes. at that top level. And I mm. think he probably have to move on fairly soon yeah, because uh, yeah. he's too good to be a number two I have to say you know yeah and that's Klopp uh, Klopp said exactly that he said exactly that that uh, not Klopp it was Jamie Carragher who said who uh, does the analysis on Sky said how are Liverpool going to keep him because that lad will want to play at his age and they have such a great first keeper it is a, a dilemma for him but look it was great to see yeah. him be the hero of the day are you, are you going to win the league and the uh, European Cup the Champions League and the FA Cup a clean sweep for the pool who who knows? I have to say, I always dip in and out and, and try and su- support the team. I only started supporting the team because, you know, in the 80s, my brothers were older than me and they, they were a brilliant team and they had loads of Irish players on it. And they had Ray Houghton and they had, uh, yeah. they had Stephen Staunton and all the rest. Was that, that cup-winning team in the middle of the 80s had no English starters on it, mm. which was kind of an unusual fact, I remember them telling me. And then, sure, I had years of them being no good, really, in terms of the league, but I, I stuck with them. But to be perfectly honest with you, if I had a choice between... 
awfully winning uh, a Leinster. Uh, I hear you scoff, don't. And uh, uh, and Liverpool winning the league. I'd always, I'd always pick. The, the, shut up, Sherry. Shut up. <laughs> I, uh, you're going to say awfully more of a chance to win the Champions League than to have winning the All Ireland of Leinster. Um, I tell you, I went to the city, went to see them play Roscommon in the under twenties, and yeah. uh, they won the All Ireland. And if they mm. put all those young lads out against a, a senior team tomorrow, they'd have a good chance. They're, they play they play this football with kind of this wild abandon that young lads have that I like. You know, no wonder they call it the faithful. Isn't he just an example of someone that's forever faithful? But you have to be to your seed and breed. But seriously, in your lifetime, Neil Delamere, you, you you've seen them win. They won the hurling. Do you remember them winning the hurling a couple yes, of times? They- Fantastic. Fantastic. In, my, in my lifetime, they've won uh, several All Irelands. Yeah, did they win the football? Uh, were you alive when the when they when they beat Kerry? When Egan <laughs> when Egan gave your man the nudge in the back? Were you? There, there, uh, Seamus Darby that was not a nudge in any way shape or form Jerry that is a scurrilous accusation <laughs> nay libelous in, in some quarters it was a gentle affectionate pat on his back to tell him that he was doing well and it's not Seamus Darby's fault that he was unbalanced Seamus then took the ball down buried it scored the most successful and most famous goal in GA history and the rest is history yes I, I wasn't just around uh, about alive for that Good. they won it in 85 they won it in 94 and they won at 98 yeah. uh, the, the, the hurling so yes, yeah. I've, been, I've been very lucky so you know, you know uh, think of a poor loud man on this side of the mic who keeps uh, uh, thinking about I, and being reminded of 1957 1957 oh. well I, I, I didn't want to say because I thought that was punching down <laughs> well and, um, I, I came but clean I'm glad I'm glad you brought yes, so you I, like team, teams in red who haven't done that well lately <laughs> Excuse me, don't include the gunners in that, for the love of God. Anyway, <laughs> the thing is, we all live in hope. And mind you, Loud have won it more recently than Mayo. How is that for a consolation line? <laughs> yeah, well, there's no curse on Loud no. that I know of, is there? <laughs> I think there is at this stage, to be honest with you. Anyways, we we all stay loyal. We do to the colours that we love, be it the Offaly or the Louds or whatever. Anyway, just to finish up... Uh, tickets in the Salsa should be gone at this stage March the 4th this Friday April the 16th the Crescent and Drada. do you have a, a date for the venue we're told? October the 8th I just put okay. it on sale today lovely so, so that's just gone on sale for October the 8th there you're a fantastic guy I've missed you I really have and I'll, next time you're here I'll do pancakes whenever you're with us excellent I will be you bring the Nutella minutes. and the bananas <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm actually in your house. I broke into your house and I'm doing the Zoom call from your bedroom. So come home soon and wear something pretty. <laughs> Neil Delamere, God bless you. Thanks for joining me on the show today. Take, Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Isn't he terrific? He's such a funny man. I believe he brought the house down in Belfast the other night. Full house at the SSE Arena. Fair juice to the biggest gig he's ever done, isn't it? Great to hear it. It really is. Anyway, if you're uh, in the areas of Navin, Drogheda, Retote in the next while, he's coming your way, Mr. Neil Delamere, with his pancakes and Nutella and bananas. We're talking about our pancakes after this break. Coming up after two on late lunch, Professor John Sweeney on the latest. 
latest climate change report. It is shocking. I'm going to talk to John about it after two. Well, Louise, here we are. It is Pancake Tuesday. A week late. A week <laughs> late for us. Here. It's a week, no, no, it's a week late for us. <laughs> so we are just doing the, the reprise here. Anyway, I did do what I said I would do. Martry Mill wholemeal flour, Heidel organic eggs and Fekinclacher milk. It's mm. all in these. Will you have a little taste there? I've given you some. And they've been tasted around the building, I have to tell you here, before we came mm. on air. This is my first taste of them. Now, I have a little, oh. I have an admission to make, Louise. I have a confession to make to listeners on the eve of uh, Ash Wednesday. Don't answer, answer you with me, my Go on. <laughs> <laughs> I had to change course this morning in the midst of making the pancakes because okay. they didn't work out, honestly, with the wholemeal flour on its own. And funny enough, uh, when you look at the Martry Mill recipe, which I had beside me, I saw it's half wholemeal from Martry Mill and half plain flour. Mm. So I had to chuck in the plain flour, give it a good mix up again and leave it stand. And then I put them on the pan. Well, what do you think? They're fab. Aren't they? They're absolutely gorgeous. You can really, like, you can you can taste that they're healthier. Do you oh, know? they're lovely. With the wholemeal and the, mm. obviously the fresh eggs and the, mm. and the milk as well. They're really lovely. There is Hats something, there's the some, yeah, there's, <laughs> thank you. There's something <laughs> a little different to them and mm. they are nice. Now, we've had tastes. Marie Kearns, love them. Eamon Doyle, Brian Farley, gobble them up. They taste them as well. You like them as mm. well. We have another assistant taster today. I think she likes them too. She does, yeah. She's here beside me. <laughs> Miss Katrina Ferreter likes them as well. Um, and I'm pleased. I'm very pleased they're with gorgeous. the way they've, sh- mm. they've they've turned out. And again, they're the thin pancake that I like. And I just, I love pancakes, folks. My ch- preferred choice is lemon and caster sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, did you tell me something different last week? I like that, but I'm, I might try um, Neil Delamere's Nutella and banana yeah. this evening. Yeah, I reckon Why that not? sounds good. Mm. But um, isn't it just goes to show you about the ingredients? You know, mm. put in the quality ingredients mm. and it, there is a difference like. And you have the wholemeal flour in there, which is a healthy end mm. of things. I am very pleased. And I want to say thank you to Martry Mill, Heidel Organic Eggs and Fecund Lower Milk for supplying the wonderful ingredients from Louder Than Me to me to make the pancakes today. I have a, I have more orders for this evening. You know this, I got orders <laughs> during the morning, so I'll be starting again on the pancakes. You'll the oven all the day. <laughs> when I get home. And I'm actually going to do a couple of savoury ones for myself with some cheese, a little bit of ham, mushroom in them as well, and try those. Anyway, let's... Let us know what's your favourite toppings for your pancakes. Anyone like butter and jam on them? Butter and jam. Yeah. Oh no. No. Butter and jam. Oh, no. butter and jam butter was butter on a pancake. No. Butter and jam was all we had when we were growing up, Louise. I don't mind the jam, but for the butter. Ugh. Yeah, butter. But mel- let the butter melt across, and then a nice strawberry jam or something on it. Anyone ever have the butter and jam on their pancakes? Let us know. Oh eight six eighteen hundred six five eight by WhatsApp or text. Let us know your favourite toppings for your pancakes. Not a on Pancake Tuesday. What did you say? Tomato ketchup. Oh, the name. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I don't think she is. I don't. Are you making some yourself this evening? I'm going to try. Go yeah, on. I'm going to try. So ah, it might it be go. the ketchup on top give of it. Give it a go. But can I just say that yes. I did see a pancake made by Senator Shane Castles this morning, and um, I think I have found a worse cook than me. But I'll 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 go back and I'll I'll just assert that once I made the, my pancakes. Would you call that a pancake? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Shane, but you're insulting the word pancake. I saw that thing too. I, think I thought, he went off to check. You, you know what I thought it was? I had a look at it again. I thought he'd made a haggis. <laughs> Shane, I thought you'd made a haggis. I thought you got the days wrong. I think he needs a better pan. <laughs>
<laughs> you do need a good solid pan. You really mm. do to make good pancakes. That is for sure. Anyway, we're heading towards uh, <laughs> <laughs> news and weather at two o'clock in the company of the wonderful Westlife. Fool again is the song. Try the pancakes. Tell us about your toppings. Come on, Pancake Tuesday. Baby, I know the story I've seen. My little saying from the calendar this month, I read it at the start of every month on the show. It says today, make new friends today. They may in time become your oldest and best. There you are, never too late to make a friend and a friend for life. Love the little sayings. Yes, it is Pancake Tuesday. Butter, sugar and lemon juice or Nutella strawberries and cream are my favourite, says a listener. Want to say hello to Connell McBride. He's listening to us in Fort William in Scotland. Afternoon, Jerry. Hope you're well. Thank you, Connell. I am. Pancake or crepe? Crepe is the French, I think. Pancake this uh, neck of the woods. Best crepe I ever had was a haggis, neep and tatty with a lovely whiskey sauce. Oh, I'm loving that. That's a savoury one. But you can't beat a good pancake with butter and raspberry jam. I'm with you all the way, Connell there. Lovely to hear from you on the show this afternoon. Hi, Jerry. Uh, my mother used to make a stack of pancakes nearly up to the ceiling. They'd be, there'd be hands grabbing them from every side when we were young. I hated them. I still do. Then it was only butter, a bit of sugar on them, none of this fancy stuff. Don't think we even had a lemon, Jerry. <laughs> Thanks indeed for your messages. Keep them coming to me. Now, we spoke uh, extensively on this show about COP26 that happened just about four months ago. And I thought we all knew the bleak picture that we faced. But yesterday, the UN's Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change issued a really chilling report. Listen to this. This is one extract from it. Our report clearly indicates that places where people live, that's you and I, and work, may cease to exist. That ecosystems and species that we've all grown up with and that are central to our cultures and inform our languages may totally disappear. And so on and so on it goes. Oh, there's only one man for us to talk to about it. He's Professor John Sweeney, Emeritus Professor at Maynooth University. And of course, he is a specialist in climate change, which he's acknowledged and renowned for in this country and around the world. John, welcome back to the show. Good afternoon, Jerry. Glad to be back. Not at all. Before I get into this report, something's been on my mind since I knew you were joining me that I want to ask you. Given all that this shocking report again re-emphasises, John, if... Somebody in this world released a nuclear device, bomb or whatever you like to call it, and there was a response on the other side. Does it matter, John? Is the, is the world in real trouble then from something like that? Well, I think once you get escalation into nuclear warfare, then yes, we're all in trouble. I think um, Russia has around 6,000 nuclear warheads and I don't know how many the other nuclear powers have, but um, we would have we would have a lot of problems. I mean, the, there have been some climatic models which suggest we would go into a nuclear winter where crops wouldn't grow because of the darkness, and that would be really starvation for a lot of people. Um, and, yeah, it, it's the doomsday scenario that we really don't want to go into. And I know your, your listeners <laughs> your listeners probably don't want to hear bad news at this stage after a pandemic, after this kind of potentially serious event in, in uh, Eastern Europe. And really, um, I'm not 
really keen on bringing them the, the doom and gloom yes. of another climate report. But, mm. but the reality is that really this is coming down the road. It's, uh, it's a bit like the third tsunami, maybe after the pandemic and maybe uh, economic problems or conflict, then we do have to face up to uh, what's really looming in terms of a, of a climate emergency down the road. And this report really is simply putting into words um, the kind of events, the kind of impacts that we can expect to get. Um, I, I just wanted to emphasise at the beginning that, you know, you, your listeners have probably been hearing this message for so long that yes. you get a bit brain dead about it. Yes. This, this is a particularly important report because it represents the considered view, really, of all the world's major climate scientists. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, a report which has 270 authors from 67 countries. It's about 2,000 pages long. And what, it's, what these IPCC reports do, and they only come out about once every eight years or so, it's, it's really the big bang, it's the gold standard. They take into consideration all of the comments they get from other government officials and climate scientists, and they come to a considered view. In this case, this report handles 62,000 comments line by line, and um, each of the 197 governments went through the report's uh, summary over the last couple of weeks, line by line, including representatives, of course, of the Irish government, and finally approved it a couple of days ago for publication. So it's not something that really we, we shouldn't take um, yes. as, as the gold standard. It's, it's going to guide us for the next eight years and what we do and don't do, unfortunately, about climate change in Ireland and in the world as a whole. Now, the authors say, this is important because if you want to give us all a bit of hope, and I know that we are, we've been bombarded with this COP26 recently and all else, as you say, that's going on in the world that we have to deal with. But they do say in a line that there is still a brief window of opportunity to avoid the very worst. Now, John, what should we be doing in this brief window? Well, the brief window is what they're referring to there is the possibility of avoiding 1.5 degrees of warming, which is, of course, what we're committed to try to do under our Paris Agreement. And um, that window is closing very quickly, and, and it's fair to say we're currently losing the battle in terms of, in terms of avoiding that. It's very important because, of course, uh, if, we, if we don't avoid that, we, we risk irreversible sorry irreversible damage to some of our world's ecosystems extinction the loss of coral reefs the loss of alpine glaciers the beginning of the irreversible melting out of greenland and possibly antarctica with all of the the consequences that has so what the report is saying yes we need to adapt and prepare for what's coming down the line we need to build our sea defenses we need to build our flood defenses we need to plan for our biodiversity corridors but they're saying that, OK, even if we do all of that, um, it may not be enough if we don't tackle the problem at source. And the problem at source is, of course, redu redu reducing our, our greenhouse gas emissions. That is the only safety margin that we have for the next generation. And uh, the report is saying, well, we're going to face increasing risks otherwise. And they identify a lot of risks. They say, for example, that about three and a half billion of, of the world's population are living in places vulnerable 
vulnerable to climate change. They're saying that Europe is going to be very vulnerable in the years ahead, that we're warming faster than the global average, that we're going to face, if we don't do these um, necessary reductions, we're going to face an uh, increasing number of deaths and morbidity and, and health problems from heat stroke. We're going to face agricultural losses on, on a significant scale in productivity. We're going to face water scarcity um, in, in many parts of Europe uh, where, where we're going to have water limitations to agriculture and settlement. And of course, we're going to face floods. And we in Ireland know just how damaging that can be to infrastructure, to our economy and to people. And these are the kind of things that are multiplied by climate change. So even a point one of a degree above 1.5 degrees, we get a, a, a disproportionate increase in these kinds of impacts. And the report is saying that if we go to three degrees or four degrees of warming, we're looking at trebling or doubling some of these impacts. And uh, that's why, you know, it, it is ultimately the only escape route for us um, is to play our part globally in meeting our obligations that we've signed up to under uh, both in the EU and globally. We failed to do those, of course, in Ireland over the past 15 years. Um, it remains to be seen whether our current plans will actually deliver the goods or not. But without that, then I think we're facing into a relatively bleak future, which this report is saying in, in very nice language and very con conservative language, because as you can imagine, to get 197 countries to agree to a sentence is not always easy. And so the report is a bit conservative in the way that it, it mentions these things. But the message is very clear and the message is undoubtedly that you know, policy makers uh, have to deliver the goods in terms of reductions in emissions. And they have to set the preconditions for us as individuals, for companies, for people, for organizations to reduce their emissions sufficiently, that we have a safety margin. And really, it's in our own interest, because without that, we face into a future where it's the children, it's the grandchildren that we have today who will have limited options in the years ahead. So th this is in, in our own interest to take the short-term pain because, after all, we in Ireland are among the biggest culprits. Um, we emit more greenhouse gases in Ireland than the 400 million poorest people on the planet. So, I mean, that's a sobering statistic which makes responsibility for us and for our actions so, so imperative to accept and to act upon. And that's why I think this report is giving us that message um, globally, if you like, but also uh, in many of the regional chapters that they have. That they're saying that it's time for the, the developed world not to be in the back seat anymore, not to, not to sit back and say it's for somebody else to do, but to accept responsibility and to tackle it ourselves. And that's the kernel, I suppose, of what this important report is telling us. Mm. Action needed, action needed now here in Ireland. When you uh, mention those numbers, it really does crystallise it for us. I've just a minute or so left. Before I go, I want to ask you this. As I sit here today and wherever you are, and we're talking to a lot of people on the east coast of Ireland, up along the east coast here, low-lying a lot of it, a rise in sea levels, the sea rises in huge population centres underwater, no longer livable? 
Well, I think, you know, we have to be realistic. We're, we're not going to, to submerge cities in the short term yeah. or anything like that. We, we expect about a metre rise in sea level to occur uh, around the coast of Ireland uh, over the next uh, 60, 70 years. Now, what that means, you know, is that we can probably build a seawall for that. OK, if we want, it'll be very, very expensive. To build a seawall, for example, is almost as expensive as building a, a motorway at the same length. But what we can do, I think, is, is is, is protect the heavily populated areas. I think what we're going to see in Ireland is not so much coastal flooding, although we will see that especially around the Shannon. We will see it in Cork and Galway and parts of Dublin and, of course, in Dundalk Bay. But I think our big problem is going to be that that sea level rise will mean the waves are coming at the coast from a higher platform. And that higher platform, maybe an extra metre, gives them a lot more energy, gives them a lot more Mm. ability to erode the coast. So we're going to tip the balance in many parts of the soft coasts of Eastern Ireland. We're going to tip the balance towards erosion rather than deposition. We're going to see beaches being removed uh, rather than created. Uh, And that, of course, will expose areas which haven't been exposed before and create issues, especially if we have lines of, of transport, if we have infrastructure close to the coast, which may be expensive yes. to relocate. That's where the costs of climate change will come home to roost, mm. especially in Eastern Ireland. Yes, it certainly will. John, you're fantastic, and you put it in uh, context for us always. Thank you so much for joining me again on the show today. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Take care of yourself. That's Emeritus, uh, Emeritus Professor at Maynooth University, Professor John Sweeney, a brilliant man, specialist in the whole field of climate change. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Still to come, we're going to meet a woman who struggles for every breath she takes every day. Yes, she lives with COPD. Short break to come, and after that, we have your two on Tuesday, just for you. Round about this time each Tuesday on Late Lunch in the year of our Lord, 2022, we are reminding you of great songs that never made it to number one in the UK charts. And of course, we had our own chart here, but we watched Top of the Pops, didn't we, religiously every week, and it was the chart we went to all of the time. I'm going back today to June 1979 to this one that was stuck at number two. Number two, June 1979, Up the Junction from Squeeze's second album, Cool for Cats. Glenn Tilbrook there on lead vocals. One of their most popular and best remembered songs. In fact, it was their second number two because the title track from that album, Cool for Cats, was also number two in the charts previously and didn't make number one either. But memories, memories there, Squeeze and Up the Junction. So the big question is, what prey kept it? off the number one spot well when I when you listen to this you'll know why because I think it was justified sometimes you think well maybe it should have gone to number one but when this one was knocking about no doubt with me it deserved number one ready to pop the question the jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Landy, number one, summer 79, Sunday Girl. Fantastic, I'm sure. Would you agree with me, Miss? Oh, no Walsh? comparison. Yeah, it's a great number one, Brilliant. isn't it? Brilliant. I, d- I didn't even hear of the other song, actually. <laughs> you never heard of no. the other one? No, off the junction. I suppose it was for, you know, it, it had a niche. It had a niche following, but Squeeze had a big following as a band for sure. But, you know, I was looking at the number ones in 1979, uh, working on this today, earlier today. It was a great year for number ones. It was a great year for a no- lot Started of with ones. YMCA. Oh, right. <laughs> sure, what a year. That would be and me. YMCA. Doing all the action, but they were great number ones, right? <laughs> <laughs> was that before, during, or after you made pancakes? <laughs> well, I was waiting for the pancakes to crisp. I was there going, YMCA. Would you hurry up there? YMCA. And the year finished in 79 with. Pink Floyd, Brick in the Wall, number one. So, you know, it was a a big year for number ones and all in between. Anyway, we'll bring you another two on Tuesday next Tuesday. Back to the pancakes. Our Danny loves the McCluskey's pancakes. He buys them and enjoys them with butter and jam. There's another butter and jam man there for you, Louise. And Dolores was on to us. What about this on the pancakes? I think this would be gorgeous. Stewed apples. You know, stewed Mm. apples. I think that would be a cracker. With custard. Yes, or a little bit of cream or something on it. I think you're onto a real winner there, Dolores. But besides pancakes in the Ferreter household tonight, there will be a cake because Cormac Ferreter is six today. Happy birthday, Cormac. (laughs) Six years, Louise. Six years. Yeah, flew. And the first thing he said this morning was, hmm, do you think I got any taller? And then he said, six. I'm almost (laughs) nearly a teenager. He was nearly nothing if you left it to Seamus and Christy this morning. Be Jesus, the wished, uh, the wished happy birthday to three different children. Told us they knew them all as well. And all the, the time, Seamus just talked to Cormac. But he always calls him Connor for some reason. He has it in his head. His name is Connor. It's just stuck. Because <laughs> they made an art of everything. The three goes in it. <laughs> anyway, Cormac, from your true friends on late lunch, your mammy and myself, Happy birthday. Happy sixth birthday. You'll have a great evening this evening and it'll be wonderful celebrations. And uh, look, it's... We they have a love Pokemon cake. Oh, fantastic. Mm. Is he having a little party at any stage? Is he? Will he have a few friends? At the friends? weekend. Oh, good, good, yeah. good. It's great. Oh, sure, that's the thing to do with during the school weekend as well. So Pancake Tuesday is Cormac Ferris's birthday and he's six years old this afternoon. Ah, isn't that great? It's just great. It really is. Birthdays, they love them. They really do. One last thing on the pancakes just crossed my mind. Do you think there are still egots like myself that make their own pancakes? <laughs> you know what I mean? Most Do you think most people make them? Or, you know, I was looking in the shop the other day. There's ready-made in a bottle. 
You just, yeah, yeah, you know, I've pour, tried them. Pour it out. What are they like? Oh, oh, well, you have to add a little bit of milk, isn't oh, it? And you? then yeah. you shake it up you and then it. you add All right, it. yeah. Well, yeah. it's in there. I wonder if most people mm. go for them. People buy them. I'm sure they have favourite places where they get them. You know them. what? It's nearly kind of easier to just get the flour out. It's the easiest thing. Don't tell me anyone couldn't do it. Two eggs, drop of milk and throw a little bit of water in if you want into it as well. The flour mixed up, a little bit of salt in it. Heat the pan up and turn it down to a medium heat. Put them on thin. Flip them once. Sugar, lemon, strawberries, whatever you want to put. Nutella, bananas, the whole lot and away you go. It's the simplest food in the world to make. Go for it this evening if you've never done it. Don't mind that ready mix stuff. Anyway, we're mixing things up for the rest of the show because still to come, we're going to meet a woman soon who has to struggle for breath. Every single breath she takes every day. Stay with us on Late Lunch. Imagine struggling for every breath you take. We take it for granted. We breathe many millions and millions of times across our lifetime. But it's only when you run into difficulty you realise that it is the key to life if we can't take a breath. When I tell you that there are between a quarter of a million and 400,000 people in Ireland who live with chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, COPD, it's a huge, huge number and we're going to talk about it for the next while because a, a local group, the Drogheda Branch and Support Group, are getting going again after the pandemic and we're joined in a moment by their chairman, Peter McQuillan. But first, to tell me about her situation, Mary Cunningham is on the line. Hello, Mary. Hello, how are you? I'm really Hi. good, Mary. And nice to have you with us today on the show. Will you tell us how long you're living with COPD? How many years? Um, from 2014. And how did it um, uh, manifest itself? Was it all of a sudden or was it a gradual uh, thing? No, it was uh, very uh, sudden. It was. I never had anything like that before. It just came in all of a sudden. It actually came in with a bang. Straight into it. So you never, like, struggled walking or you had no breathing difficulties. Just one day you took this, uh, would you call it a sort of a turn that you couldn't get your breath? Would that be fair? I would say a few weeks previously, yes. I um, was struggling. I was working full time, so I just thought it was just the pressure, the job, lifting and carrying. Yeah. And then um, maybe that's what was leaving me short of breath, running around the place. Okay, so you put it down to the general vagaries of life, work, etc., and you didn't pay much attention to it. What happened no. one, one day that this really became serious? Tell us, describe the moment or the, the, the time. To be quite honest, I can't even describe the moment. It was actually my husband that noticed the difference in in um, things I was doing. Um, I wasn't focusing properly, and um, actually when we did get to the hospital, I was actually... Uh, which meant my oxygen levels had been quite low. Mm. Um, and uh, for a couple of days, I don't remember what actually I'd gone through in the hospital, but I came back to be told I was diagnosed with COPD. Right, and that was November 2014. Do you mind me asking you, did you ever smoke during your lifetime? Oh, I did, yeah. Yeah, I did smoke, yeah. I was a smoker, yeah. And but actually what I had found out later on through having a blood test done, um, it's hereditary. It's in the family. Okay. So I didn't know this at the time. Yes. That, you know, that thinking I'd catch it. Okay, so it was in in your genes or whatever, and and and, and yeah. it materialised back back it then. Did, yes. How yes, how yes. how quickly did you then? I, I think what did they start with to help you? Was it nebulizers, things like that? 
I was on, yes, on nebulizers, as we call it, back-to-back, as they call it, which would be so many times a day. It could be four to five different times. Mm. Four to five different nebs. Um, to medication and on oxygen, to put in oxygen. Mm. I remember being on the oxygen. Okay, and today you're quite dependent, I take it, on oxygen, are you? Yes, I could be on from 16 to 24 hours, just depending on how I feel. My God. And, and, and how are you today? I know you're talking away uh, good to me. Um, ha- have you had to use it much? Yeah. Yes, I'm actually sitting down. So when I'm sitting down, I take it off and try and not get too dependent on it, which unfortunately I do have to do sometimes. Mm. And, and I take it it's totally restricted your life as regards, you know, uh, moving about. Yeah. You have to be careful with all that. Yeah, it is. It, it's very life-changing. It's just... Um, trying to do a little thing like wash yourself, uh, move around, stand people, you know. Yeah. People do isn't that, I think. By the time I take the hoover out and plug her in, I have to sit down, and that's another hour wasted trying to do a little bit of work, which I'm lucky to have a good family mm. behind me. Yeah, good support and a good... I know you, you're very grateful to the team in Our Lady of Lourdes Hospital, your GP. I, am, mm. I really am to the outreach, which... Yes, I had a few weeks ago, and they think the girl was out three times that week because I wasn't very well. But I'm back to we say top notch again today. So mm. it's just you know uh, you got to live with it. You have to learn to live with it, yeah. yeah. And to be quite honest, it can be quite manageable at times. Mm. But right, there might be times when I can't manage it, which is where. The outreach come in yes. and my GP. Yeah, and of course, yeah. They are there to help you. And we're going to talk about the COPD support group in a moment with Peter. And just just from your own point of view, the last couple of years with COVID, did that leave you even more nervous? It, it was absolutely desperate because it was. It's, this is an awful illness to have. And with the COVID, it's actually, it, it was very depressing to be stuck in that we couldn't go to the meetings. We couldn't meet up with other members that have COPD and talk about, you know, which some things you can't talk to your family about. You can talk to someone else that's suffering. Yes. And yes. Yeah. You really miss those. And 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 in going out yourself, do do you need assistance? Do you do you need to uh, avail of a, of a wheelchair? You must I take it you must take that oxygen with you wherever you go? I do. Yes. No. I use a four wheel walker, and I'll always have a member of the family with right. me when I'm going. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, I, I really, yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah. So you 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 work within uh, the parameters that you have to live with, and you get on with it as such. Let's let's bring uh, Peter yeah, into the is. conversation here. Peter McQuillan, who's chairman yeah. of COPD Support Group, the Drawhunter Branch. Afternoon, Peter. Afternoon, Jerry. Good to talk to you. Well, Mary is a, a, a typical story of somebody living with this, and you've had it in your family in the past as well. You heard Mary mention there how she missed the meetings, the the monthly meetings of your group. Good news, Peter, is they're on the way back. We're starting back again now on the fourth of March in the Barbican Nurses Half Two. So did half four. Next Friday. So 2.30 to 4.30 on Friday the 4th of March and anybody living with this is welcome to come along, Peter. Anybody and their families are carers. Like, I know Mary, Mary is there and she said that her family, her family is affected by it, not just her. Her whole family, her whole family is affected by it. Mm. Because 
you can't make arrangements to go anywhere or do anything because you don't know what they're going to be like when you're waking up in the morning. Mm. And you, you miss occasions like uh, how many people would have missed weddings, weddings and stuff like that, you know, functions, family functions, parties, all this. They can't go. Mm. And then somebody has to stay at home to mind them. So it affects somebody else as well. Mm. It's not just person with COPD. Who lives with it. And and you know you get togethers. Mary mentioned something there that I uh, twigged on that she you, the people at the meetings can open up about things that they may not necessarily do you know within their own small group or family as well. That that must be a, a very important part of what you do when you get together. It is a very important part. Yeah it's there it's for everybody to exchange their views on topics and Things that come up at the meetings that you wouldn't even think of and you have a laugh at them and you can do all this kind of thing. Mm. But the thing is to get them together to make people aware of this uh, illness because it's not an illness you can see. Mm. You could be talking to somebody with COPD stage four and they might not have their oxygen on them, but you can't tell that. Yeah. You know, it's it's a horrible thing to have. Mm. Your life is definitely limited to what you can do. Mm. And by having these meetings, we can talk about it, because people wouldn't think about doing certain things and somebody else would come up with an idea. Oh, I must try that. I didn't try that. I must, you know, they exchange ideas and yeah. views of what you can do, what you can't do. There's an awful lot of things that people don't know. Mm. Take it. You take a woman getting her hair done, she can't use a hairspray yeah. because it'll affect her lungs. Yes. And just, and the COVID now was a big thing. You mentioned the COVID. COVID and COPD is a desperate cocktail. Mm. They both affect the lungs. Yeah, most vulnerable group by far, Peter. There's there's no yeah. doubt about that. Just let me come back to Mary for a second. Mary, you listen to what Peter says there, and I'm sure you yeah. can uh, endorse yeah. and echo all the words he says there. And um, what about when you when you sleep at night time? You mentioned yourself. Just to come back to that, it could be sixteen to twenty four hours. You'd often uh, go ahead. I do sleep on oxygen at night. Yeah, yeah. I, that's a hundred percent. I have to do that. Mm. And on another side, on the plus side, I got COVID and I wasn't very ill with it. So that's another good thing. I had that last year. Yes. So, and um, you don't like to frighten people, but just because, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, but there you are. You're proof that you came through it and you could come through it uh, as I well. For it, actually, I failed for it. I did. Thank God. Fingers mm. crossed. Yes. Mm. Yes. But not everyone's so lucky, you know. Yes. Unfortunately. Yeah. Do you uh, you know I, I introduced you uh, to say you know that every breath you take you know the words from the song the famous police song every breath you take is the name of a song but we we take that for for granted and and when you find yourself where you are today it really brings it home doesn't it a hundred percent a hundred percent it's an awful illness to have awful awful. Mm. Anyway, you're you're doing your best with wonderful support all round and you get on with life. You have to get on with life, of course. Mm. Yeah, yes, and get out socialising again. Like it's after been a hard two years. Yes, true. Which I lost my husband to it as well, and he was the main man in the house to care. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're looking forward to going out, meeting your friends, socialising, going yeah. for a meal, and uh, and good luck to you. I hope you enjoy uh, every new occasion that you go to and there are many many more of them over the weeks months and, and years ahead Peter just to yeah. say again you're getting together 2.30 this Friday the Barbican Centre in Drogheda and then once a month is it you meet? 
it's on the first Friday then of every month after that. But there's just one thing I want to say there. Jerry, this disease or illness, whichever you like to call it, it cannot be cured, mm. but it can be managed. Yes. And that's what we do with these meetings that will tell us what we can do. That is the important how message. To, how to do that, to get the message across these people mm. and get together a bit of a social cup of tea and what have you. And away you go then. Good on you. Listen, thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Peter. Wish you well. Fourth, that's Friday, 2.30 in the Barbican. And Mary, good luck to you. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you very much. Thanks a million. Thanks for joining me on the show. Take care of yourself. That's Mary Cunningham there, living with COPD. Can be an oxygen 24 hours a day. My, oh my. And come on, suddenly as well. Nineteen eighty-seven. A release in eighty-seven. Power ballad to Pow. China in your hand. Five weeks at number one. Voted one of the most popular songs of the eighties on your late lunch this Tuesday afternoon. Louise uh, Brendan's been in touch to say the price of postage went up today. Uh, a standard letter to the UK is now two euro twenty cents. Yesterday, I posted a package. It was about half a kilo in weight to the UK by recorded delivery. It'll be received today, three pound sixty-five sterling in Newry. Had I posted it in Dundalk, the same par- parcel would have cost uh, recorded delivery at least fourteen euro. Oh wow. That's a lot. That is a big difference. Lot. That is a huge, huge difference. Um, and he says they say we have the most competitive postage rates. Not so sure when I hear that. Thanks for getting in touch. With us. Yes, the price of posting has gone up again from today. Uh, will it put people off? Mm. I don't know. You know what I mean. Probably the casual letter or cards or things like that for sure. Business probably still. Yeah. Carry on. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I'd say it will, but we'll wait and see uh, what difference it makes. Talking about things going up or the price of things or buying or selling, I had two completely contrasting experiences in two shops within, say, an hour of each other over the weekend. I meant to mention this to you. I went first to a shop to buy a few bits and pieces and it it comes under the banner of one of the multiples, but it's a local shop under the banner of the multiples. And when I went to the till, there was a young girl there uh, to serve me. And she was chatting to another young girl on uh, her right and there was another one on her left, but particularly to the one on her right. And she kept, I put my items on the thing and she just picked them up and boop, boop, just scanned them through. Kept chatting to the other one about, you know, I think it was a night out or something and this, that and the other. And the I took out my card and she just turned the machine round to me without saying a word. I... Uh, tapped the card on the machine. She kept yapping away to the other sales assistant who was serving somebody else just around the corner. And she never said, hello, goodbye, kiss me arse, thank you, <laughs> you're ugly, whatever. It, it, it is as if I did not exist. And did you say anything to her? Did you like say, well, hang on a minute, she's not getting away with this. I you bit know. my tongue because sure. it's not like me, to <laughs> be honest with you. <laughs> I normally speak up. But I got into my car and I thought, did that actually happen? Did that yeah. young one actually do... Blank you. She blanked me. Even though she completed the transaction, there was nothing there. I might look into that store in Dublin where they watch you with the cameras and you do all your own shopping. You're invisible. You invisible. invisible. But within a short space of time, I went to... I had. I, I went off somewhere and I, I, I thought I needed something that I, I knew I'd get in another local shop. 
again a branded shop but a smaller local shop but I love it I, I'm in there regularly and I went and got it actually it was newspapers I wanted yes and I had to get I think it was coleslaw and something else and I went and the young girl said to me it's not a bad day is it I said no it's not at all I said but it's fairly breezy out there she said is it you wouldn't really notice that round here. I said, if you're out in the open, you will see it. But she says, yeah, isn't it great? The days are getting long. This is a young girl. Yeah, yeah. And says, uh, I said, it is springtime. I love springtime. Oh, she says, I love it too. And then she said to me, will you be watching the football later? And I said, I will. Oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that game myself. And you know something? Lifted your mood. I went out to the car and thought, two young ladies, probably the mm-hmm. similar age. One, sorry, you're having a clue, love. You're having a just clue. didn't want to be there. No I, you know, retail. whereas the other girl, you know, she was being friendly. Makes a difference. You know, and they, you know, it makes such a difference. I just said I'd And it made a it. difference to you, Jerry, with a lot of family around you and everything. But what about like an elderly person might be living on their own and that shop, keep, shop assistant might be the only person they see in the day? Yes. And they're just blanked. invisible. Blanked. Absolutely blanked. I'm just wondering, Horrible. did you ever come across, you know, that, you know, no... Like that, similar oh, yeah. to what I'm talking. People would just be like serving you and they'd be on their phone at the same time. But Oh, it's shocking. It's shocking. It's unacceptable. You know, it's it really just is. kind of say something just to annoy them nearly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I didn't say anything because normally I I definitely would draw attention to it. But there you go. Anyway, I just said I'd mention on the show this afternoon the contrast in customer service. Jerry, I'm not a great cook and I use the bottle pancake mix. And honestly, the pancakes are divine. Absolutely no difference whatsoever. And I eat mine with sugar. Nothing else, says Moll. Good on you, Moll. I'd love to try that. I'd love to field test that to blindfold me for the, the bottle ones and the real Mackay. We must do that sometime. It'd be a bit of crack, wouldn't it? It would indeed. Uh, Jerry, just finished cutting my lawn, says Anne, on the 1st of March. I cut mine again on Saturday, both front and back. That's the second time this year. I cut them in January. Window of opportunity this weekend after all the rain. I cut them as well with a high blade. Don't shave them. I saw a fella down the road with me. Skull the lawn. Bad, bad idea. You'll just have a bed of moss. Anyway, cut it with high blades and it looks well. And we'll be into the cutting season now for sure. From March, love the smell of the grass, Anne, don't you? Oh, fresh grass, you can't beat it. I work in a shop. And I've met Jerry when maybe he wasn't having a good day, says a listener. Oh, really? Well, generally, if I'm not having a good day in a shop, it's because something in the shop irked me and I went about complaining about it. I'm generally in decent form. If I'm in bad form, there's something really up. Anyway, I'm sorry if if I was anyway abrupt or obtuse to you in the shop anyway, but there had to be a reason underlying it, I have to say to you. Thanks indeed for all the messages to the show. We always appreciate it. Now, my soundtrack this week is from the brilliant animated movie Sing. And when I tell you the story is centred round... Caletonia, a city of human-like animals, where theatre owner Buster Moon is trying to save his family's theatre by organising a singing competition with a prize of $1,000. However, inadvertently, it's brilliant, the flyers he sends out advertise a winner's cheque for (laughs) $100,000. Oh my God, he can't believe the error. But because of the prize, he's inundated with wannabe stars and goes ahead with the contest despite not having the 100k prize. 
He does try to put it in place. He approaches legendary singing star Nana Noodleman, what a name, to sponsor the prize, but she's reluctant. However, she does agree to attend a private preview of the show before deciding if she'll support Buster. The shortlisted finalists all have personal stories behind their individual and musical singing talents. It's just like the X Factor. Yeah, which play out as the day of the big preview show edges ever nearer to be continued tomorrow for today from the soundtrack of Sing here's Reese Witherspoon as Rosita the Pig and Nick Kroll as Gunter her piggy partner with a song most associated with Bananarama Brilliant, isn't it? Rosita and Gunter from the movie Sing. Yes, the piggy singers. They're fantastic. Reese Witherspoon. She has a great voice, hasn't she? That's her singing there, so it is. And uh, I'll be back tomorrow with more about Sing in words and song round about this time. Coming up next on the show, she's joining us on the first day of each month this year. She's simply brilliant. Her diary is called One Day at a Time. And with the start of March today, we're looking ahead to the month ahead with Abby Wynn. My next guest has been a guest of mine on the show on many occasions and she agreed this year to join us each day on the first day of the month. She's an author, a healer who blends shamanism, psychotherapy and energy healing to create a new way of working and living, living, which she offers through her books and programmes and group healing sessions. That's what it says in the tin. The woman herself is on the line. Hello again, Abby. <laughs> How's it going, Jerry? How are you? <laughs> I'm really, really good today. And thank you for joining me again on the show. Just to refer to your wonderful one day at a time diary to start off, you dedicate the month of March to faith and acceptance. By God, do we need a bucket loads of both at this time. Oh, we do. And if you look at, I mean, I know some of the listeners now won't have a copy of this, but sporadically through the month, there are affirmations for each day. And the one for today is, I know there's more to life than meets my eye. Mm. And I think that that's really pertinent to the now, because we're here in Ireland. It's bloody freezing, but the sunshine is absolutely delicious. And you have to be with what's right in front of you in order to feel grounded and solid in your life. And that's when the faith and acceptance comes in that everything has a purpose, Mm. you know, even though we don't know necessarily what it is right now. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. Yeah, and and it's it's a very good point to come from at this point in time, because, of course, I'm referring to, by God, we just come through to slightly over two years of incredible times with a pandemic that affected the whole world regarded of regardless of your politics race or creed and everybody knuckled down and now we just come out of it to this most horrific war in the Ukraine an invasion of the Ukraine that could lead honestly could lead to a third world war I want to ask you for people listening today and there is an anxiety among men women and children in this country and all over How do you cope or deal with this? Well, you can't actually deal with 
what's going on outside of your own environment. So the only thing you can do is work with what's going on in your environment. And you're absolutely right, Jerry. I mean, I'm making plans now with my daughter for her birthday party, which is this month. And she hasn't had a party in two years. You know, all the kids are having pancake day today with no masks. And it's the first time another one of my daughters actually gets to see everyone in her school, see their faces and their smiles. Mm. And, you know, we have to be with what that means, you know, the individual, the personal. And then we're sucked in through the media to all these, you know, and I'm not saying fantastical stories, but they are of what's going on in another country, you know, thousands of miles away. It's heartbreaking. It's poignant. And we can celebrate that maybe we're through a pandemic now, but there are also other countries in Europe that aren't through it. I Mm. mean, Italy is still has its restrictions in France and there's all kinds of doubling down going on in Australia and New Zealand. And so really when you look at March and the energies of what's coming in, it's very choppy seas, you know? And so yes. when, I, when I look at the invocation, which really kind of sets you up for the month in this diary, it says, um, I will never have all the answers. I can only have faith that what transcends in this life, this world is benevolent. I know I'm here to learn what I need to learn to do the things that light me up and spread the love wherever I go. And if we're so caught up in the fear, we're not going to spend the time lighting ourselves up. We're not going to remember what life is about, the joy, the beauty. I mean, even the quote that I use here, John O'Donoghue, who's, you know, he's a fabulous person to go to for solace. And most of his work has been recorded in his own voice. He says, we feel most alive in the presence of the beautiful, for it meets the needs of our soul. And, you know, to spend time every day connecting into to something beautiful, to something alive and vibrant, I think is vital in these times, mm. really, really is. Otherwise, you know, you get caught in the anxiety. I think we were saying earlier about being grounded and ungrounded. Yeah. With all of this light coming in and all of the things going on in the world, you can be very ungrounded and unbalanced. And so spending time prioritizing what's the most important thing, and that's to get through the day really yes yes so so what you're saying is look that situation is absolutely awful and it's something that's in all our lives whether we like it or not it's there it's a presence but we've got to live life as well yes uh, care for the people in ukraine support them in whatever way we can but we've got to live life well we have to this is our life now and you know looking at the energies of the last two years and the energies of the next two years you can spend the whole day worrying about everything that happened or everything that's going to happen and not living and i'm again i'm not belittling anything you know i was reading a wonderful article there last night about a couple i think they're in tipperary who have a cafe and they're ukrainian and they've said anybody who wants to make a donation so you know look around locally is there anyone who's going to have a a drive for help and you've done your piece for today you've done something that you can do about it and then find something for your soul add that into the mix you know, I'm writing a novel, Jerry. I was hoping I'd come on next month and talk a little bit more about it. But in the novel, I'm doing client sessions. Yeah. And one of the one of the characters in the novel is worrying all the time about all the bad things that could happen. And she never thinks of the good things. That's how we're wired. Mm. Kind of change the wiring. And that's where the faith and acceptance comes in. You know, I accept that there's only so much I can do every day. I accept that I don't understand what's true and what isn't true right now. You know, I accept that right now in this moment, I'm not feeling so good. You know, even being with that is important. So then you can say, okay, well, what can I do for myself 
so that I can feel better right now. Especially if you have family and children, you know, you need to be a good support there for them as well. And mm. don't get lost in the mix of everything that has to happen around you to fall into a pit of despair around things that you don't control. It's tough. It is. It's difficult. But we didn't come to this planet to have an easy life, mm. you know, and you can get solace from that. We came to yes. learn. And there's certainly plenty of material and food here for us to chew on to keep us learning and busy and growing. Mm. That's all. And, 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 you know, as well, like we are on the first day of the meteorological springtime, as they say, in the Met Aaron, and the days are certainly uh, stretching out now at this stage. And as you said today, what a beautiful morning, the frost on the lawn, the sun coming up, the feeding. I went out this morning and fed the, the, the wee birds. They came from everywhere looking for food on a frosty morning. Opened my greenhouse and my, my tunnel to let the air in as the sun came up as well. There's a lot to be grateful for, even though this world, as you say, there's so much to be dealt with. Absolutely. And to really maybe take on opportunity to to come back to faith and acceptance and, and question, what do you have faith in? You know, what's your beliefs? And I think for the last two years, everyone's world has been rocked and, and, and the foundations of those beliefs have been rocked. And, and, and where do you anchor yourself? I think we spoke about this last time. Mm. What can you know is true? And, and, and to use it as an opportunity to grow spiritually as well as, as you know, bringing in compassion and kindness and, 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 and with the other person who's there, you don't know what they're going through. And so not to be as triggered by things maybe as you might have been last year, last month. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, yes. And, and you know, reaching deep within ourselves and, as you mentioned there, family and friends and community and all that type of stuff is just all so important to everybody. Oh, well, absolutely. Well, even, Jerry, even bringing it down to I'm going to the shops and there's a person walking around with a mask and to have the sense, well, they feel they need to wear the mask and that's okay. You know, and there's people who are like attacking people for not wearing masks and attacking people for wearing masks. Let's just stop attacking each other. Let's just open up the heart and say, okay, look, people are doing the best that they can. They're managing with what they have. Mm. You know, and, and, and rather than latching on to the next big despair or the next big terrible thing to say, OK, well, I'm going to choose to bring that beauty into my day every day, even if it's just for a few minutes, because to get the calmness, the stillness, the stability and the foundation is really important because, you know, you still have to get up in the morning and do your things and go to bed at night and sleep for the night. <laughs> you know, yeah. and I know many people are having trouble sleeping as well. And um, you're right. You know, I was looking at my little kitten who hadn't walked on crispy, frosty grass before. And that was funny. And, you know, all these kinds of little things bring so much joy if you spend time with them, Mm. if you let yourself come into the moment. Yes. And I think that is the thing. I heard somebody the weekend saying a, a, a lovely thing about that. If you look back, you'll probably be depressed in your life. If you look forward, well, you're going to be anxious. But then the only thing to do is live in the moment, be in the present and enjoy it. Well, yeah. And, and, and seriously, that's interesting because if you are looking back and find things to regret or be upset about, well, then now is a really great time to say, OK, well, what can I do to release that so that I know I did all I could in those moments? You know, close off those relationships, tell people that you love them, you know, let little things go, choose your battles 
you know, there are battles that are being fought right now that we can't control, whereas we can control the battles that we're choosing. So, you know, if you go into that spiritual aspect of what's happening outside of you is also happening inside to maybe go, okay, well, I can let that go, but this really needs to be addressed. And, you know, to say the things so that you say, okay, well, if I was to die at the end of this month, have I done everything I need to do? Am I living the life that I need to be living? That's what it is. It's really making you look at those big life situations. And it's difficult. It really is difficult, but it can be the most miraculous thing once you realize, you know, you are who you are and allow yourself to just accept you know, all the things you can't control and just be with yourself where you are in this moment. <laughs> Absolutely. Easy for me to say, no, Terry. But easy for me to <laughs> it's worth repeating it and reminding people of it as well. It, it truly is. Anyway, this wonderful lady, you can check her out at dot. As well. well. Well, if you wanted to get some solace yes. right now, if you're feeling anxious, yes. come to my website, abbysonlineacademy.com. Okay. I have free, I have something there called the Anxiety Playbook, which is 10 meditations all put together for you so that you can sit and listen to them all and you can just then pick and choose which one you like the best to help you come out of that energy of being frazzled and feeling out of control and bringing you back into your body and making you feel more present again. And then it's there for you forever. You can listen whenever you need to yes. and you can stick it on your phone. Lovely. So, I mean, it's there. That's, that's what I'm here for, to offer this to people. You know, you need yeah. a bit of support. Ask for help. Don't feel, you know, shy about doing it. And we'll all get the, to get through this together. We certainly will. Abbeysonlineacademy.com. That's A-B-B-Y-S. Abbeysonlineacademy.com. Until April. Have a nice month. You too, Jerry. Talk to you soon. Thanks for joining me. Take care there. Abby Wynn. One day at a time, she says. And that's what it really is all about. That's a lot for today. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with The Drive on tomorrow's late lunch. Two doctors, a priest and two sinners. And guess who the sinners are? See you tomorrow, 1.30. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Jordan and Dogan Cabin. Order your new Dacia Duster or the all-new Dacia Sendero and Stepway. Guaranteed delivery and low-rate APR finance. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.